Thank you, Julie. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Wasn't that a great dedication time? That was pretty amazing. Um, happy Mother's Day to you, you moms out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those holidays that sometimes is bittersweet for some. Uh, for some, maybe they were a mother and they lost a child, or maybe they wanted to be a mom all their life and never had the opportunity to do that or never could, could, could have a child. Uh, so there's some bittersweetness to that. Um, you know, today's sermon is titled uh, Legacy of Dedication, and it goes along with uh, not only uh, our child dedication time, but just, just Mother's Day in general. I, I think there's, there's something very important. I think you, you might have caught it on the video or caught it in the, in the, uh, the vows when we t- started talking about these covenants we were making. Uh, it had a lot to do with the I will, the, the, our own will individually in those. When I dedicate this child or this baby, um, or I'm dedicated, and when, when I had the parents respond, I had them respond, I will, not we will. Then when you responded, you said, I will. And, and it's very important that you and I understand that we individually have responsibility to the children in our lives. Amen? That whether they're, you're a parent or you're not a parent, God has placed children, young people, in our lives, in our midst, that we should invest in, that we should love towards Jesus and love, love with the gospel, whether you're a mom or a dad or not, that we should do that. We have a, we have a responsibility to that. So today, we're going to be looking at the legacy of dedication. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, if you'd like to turn there in your Bible. It's, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. You can grab that. We'll start in Mark chapter 10. Looking at uh, a couple of things to look at today as we look at the text. Um, a legacy of dedication, you could probably see that uh, in, in people that are in your life. Maybe your mom, right? Hopefully your mom, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's someone else in your life that had a legacy of dedication and, uh, to you. And, that, and most of us could say, uh, if we're a Christ follower, there's a reason that we're here today, and it's not just all by ourselves, right? Someone invested in us. Someone uh, poured into us. Someone wanted us to know Jesus, and they lived a life in a faithful dedication to him. So uh, this is about a legacy of dedication. So we can look to the person that maybe was dedicated to us, or today we can look at and say, I want to be someone that leaves a legacy of dedication. I want that to resonate in my heart, in my life, so that, that, that people around me would see Jesus and they would be drawn to know Jesus. So we're going to start in, uh, in Mark, Mark chapter 10. We'll be beginning in verse 13. Uh, let's go ahead and pray first, and then we'll get to work. Lord, thanks so much uh, for this, uh, this day you've given us to celebrate you and to, and to honor moms and, uh, and Father, the the impact that they have made in our lives. Thank you for placing them uh, in our lives. And God, for, for some of us or some of them, God, we, we, don't, we don't have a good mom or there wasn't a good mom present, God. So um, I know that you have placed men and women both in our lives, God, to, to direct us towards Jesus. And God, for the faithful moms, thank you very much. And for the faithful surrogate moms, the ones who adopted us and, and poured into us, thank you for them as well. God, we, we are acknowledging that you have drawn us to yourself because of other people. God, today as we look at your word, may you uh, be living and active through it. May you open our hearts and minds to be receptive to what it says. God, challenge us in some way or change us to be conformed into the image of Jesus that we might uh, show Jesus to the world around us. God, especially today as it's on our hearts and minds as it pertains to young people. God, I pray that we would all take responsibility to covenant with parents or to covenant as parents in the lives of children. We thank you for the gift that they are. Help us to steward them well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be beginning at verse uh, 13. And this is an exchange where, where, you know, adults were around. They wanted to get to know Jesus. They wanted to know what he was saying. They thought they had the right to be there. And, 
and Jesus gets done talking about marriage and divorce, and then he talks about uh, children. And here's what happens in verse 13, if you follow along with me. Chapter 10, verse 13. It says, People were bringing little children to him in order that, they might, that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. After taking them into his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. You know, there's something interesting about this text that, and, and just the idea of faith like a child. I, I remember growing up, and uh, as I was a, uh, a boy, and then maybe an adolescent, a preteen, and then, then I got into my teenage years, I knew I was right, right? Well, you have kids like that, that they just think they're right all the time? And, and that's, I mean, that's how it is. We, we kind of grow up thinking, oh, I got this, I got this, I'm, I get, I'm okay. And we are humbled pretty drastically at times, right? And parents, we, we get it too. Like, our kids are like that, and they think they know it all. They think they have all the answers, and we, we try our best to love them and, cur- and encourage them and give them the right answer. But a lot of times, they think they have it figured out. Even, I mean, I have a six-year-old daughter now. Can you believe that? She turned six on Thursday, right? She's six now. I, I, I keep in my mind thinking I have like a two- and a four- or five-year-old, and I don't. It's a almost four-year-old and a six-year-old. But even my six-year-old or, and my almost four-year-old, they've got it down, man. They know what's going on. They don't need help from mom and dad. Until what? Until they need help from mom and dad, right? It's okay, now we're there, and that's kind of the role. But I want you to understand this, this picture on this, on this hillside, or where, where, where they were as Jesus was talking to these guys. The picture here was the adults were gathered around. The adults that, that had some life experience under their belt, right? They kind of knew what was going on. They knew what to expect. They felt like, yeah, we got this. We got this, and let's just learn a little more. Let's have a little more added to us from Jesus. We want to know a little more and learn a little bit more. But there was no spiritual bankruptcy in most of them. There was no total emptiness and totally just humility. See, that's what children offer, isn't it? There's this innocence that they have, this, this absolute humility, this absolute necessity for, for them to say, I need you. And Jesus is saying, unless you have faith like a child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because most of us don't come to Jesus with faith like a child. We have already have enough faith in ourselves, and we want to add him to us. And Jesus is like, you've got to get over yourself. You've you, you got to understand, unless you come to me humble and, and ready to receive what I have to give to you, what only I can give to you, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never enter the kingdom of God. That's not what it's about. It's faith like a child, and it's a simple faith. Now, here's something I want to make sure I clarify. That does not mean that hard answers or hard questions don't have, have good answers. Okay, Jesus, Jesus in the Word has have great answers for really tough questions. But when we come to Christ, he wants us to come in, a, in just a meekness and a humility with a childlike faith saying, you know what, you're the one that's got it all together. I don't. Maybe I'll let you be God. And so often we, we take God and we try to put him back in a box. Like, oh, here's God of the universe. Let's put him in a box and make sure we understand him. Make sure we know, we know what to expect from him. We've got this down. And that's what a lot of people are doing there. Jesus is like, let me be God. You be the children. Come to me with faith like a child and, and I'll be your father. That's the relationship I want to have with you, is what Jesus is saying. And it's, it's so hard for us as adults. See, we think we get out of that phase of teenage years of I know everything. As adults, we still do the same thing. Right? We've, we've learned through maybe the school of hard knocks. We've learned through experience. And we've worked hard, and we try to achieve and work and earn. And we try to do our best, right? And try to please people around us. And, and ultimately what happens is we try to do our best at pleasing God and, and earning God's favor. But Jesus, Jesus knows it's, you can't earn my favor. There's nothing in you or in me that's good and acceptable to God. We can never bring something to God and say, here, Jesus, you have to accept this because it's amazing. 
He's like, no, 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 I, I'm the amazing one. I'm the one that went there. You could never accomplish that. So just come to me like a child. And, and I love how my children interact with me still, and I'm trying to cherish these years because I know they're going to get older and not want to do this. I've heard this from other parents of teenagers. My daughter and my son, they, they both have, have times where they, where they just love to snuggle. Daddy, can we snuggle? Yes, of course you can snuggle. I love that, right? There are times where it might be a little inconvenient or timing. You know what? Time out. Let's just, yeah, we, I want to I cherish this. I want to snuggle. And, and what's neat about it is, is they get to come to us, and, and whether it's my, my wife or myself, they, they like to snuggle and have a little cuddle time, just kind of curl up in us, or whether on a couch or maybe we'll lay in a bed, they'll come and just kind of cuddle next to us. And, and I love the, the safety that you, you know they feel there, the security they feel, and the joy that they feel there. There is, there is this, my, my daughter especially, she'll get up like on our, on our recliner couch. We, we have this, the arm right there, right? So she'll get up and sit on that and kind of sit into me and, and, and lean up into my, my shoulder. And, and she'll, I, I know she's just like so excited to be there. And she'll put her head, nuzzle her head up into my, like my chin. And it's just, it's just so, it feels so right. It feels so good, right? So he, she puts her head right up in here. Right? I'm just, it's like this, right? And, and I know, I, I, I kind of look down and glance down and she's just smiling she's just enjoying that time with her daddy. And it, it helps me understand how the father desires a relationship with his children. But when's the last time you and I went and said, hey, hey, father, can we snuggle? Right? Because, I mean, that's, he wants us to be held by him. He wants, to, he wants us to hop up on his lap and just and understand that he's our father and that there's a, a joy that can be had from that relationship with the father. But as adults, we just don't get it all the time, do we? So three, three things I think that are really important to leaving a legacy um, of, of dedication, right? So like we said, the, the parents up here, you guys awesome coming up here. This is really a parent commissioning, wasn't it? Like parents, we're commissioning you to be the first in these kids' lives and, and to love them and encourage them and teach them the scriptures. And we will come alongside you as well. We, we covenant with that, them as well. But a legacy of dedication is that you and I would be dedicated to loving people towards Jesus and to, and to living in a way that, that promotes Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. So number one, if we want to leave a legacy of dedication, we have to know Christ and have joy in Him. We have to know Christ and have joy in Him. We just read this text, right, from Mark chapter 10, and, and people were bringing the children, and, and, and the disciples said, no, get, get them out of here, get them out of here. This is adult time. They wouldn't quite get this. But really, the children were the ones who had the lesson that could, they could teach us, Right? Jesus said, don't, don't hinder them from coming. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He says, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. In other translations, whoever doesn't have faith like a child, right? There's this faith like a child that we have to exhibit in our heavenly father. And, and, and until we get that, we just won't get it. We won't get it. See, he wants us to have this joy and delight in him. And, and not this, he, the adults are coming for, give me this list of rules and regulations. Give me these things that you want me to do, and, and we're going to be in your, in your little Lord's army. Let's go. That, no, Jesus is like, I want you to be my children. I want you to understand how loved you are by me. I want you to understand how content you can be in me, how much joy and happiness you can have in me. And it's so, so important for that. I love that fact when my daughter climbs up there and, and finds joy in her daddy's arms. That's why I'm like, I never, I don't want to force you to give me a hug. No, if you, when you want your daddy's embrace, you let me know. And there's joy in that. And our, our Heavenly Father is always ready for that embrace, always ready to give that hug. Now, I, I want to make sure you understand this. This is not all the warm and fuzzies, right? 
He is still our heavenly father. He's still God of the universe. He's still a wrathful God, a wrathful God on sin. But when he poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross, he made a way for you and I to be reconciled and made to be at peace with God. That we could be at peace and be on his lap and still be a child and not be an enemy of God anymore. That's what he's done. That's what he's accomplished for us. So for you and I, as adults, right, who have it all together, we need to humble ourselves, right, and, and enter into this childlike faith with our Father in heaven that we could then model that in our lives to our children or to our young people. Amen? We need to model that. So believing a legacy of dedication is about knowing Christ. You and I have to know Christ first. We have to have come to him in faith and believed the gospel. And then, and then we can model that in our life through the joy that we have. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 5. It's right before Mark. Matthew chapter 5. It's a Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 10 together. This, this childlike faith and this joy in God should constantly and continually be modeled. And it shouldn't be a model of some stuffy, holier-than-thou pretense. Like, look at how good we are, kids, and it's only on Sunday that it looks like that, right? And we have our, our kids, and I've, I've done this before my kids, like, hey, straighten up in the pew, quit, quit talking, quit hitting your sister, make, look like a good Christian, you know, they, they don't have a clue. What, they're children. And, and even as, as you brought your children up on stage, I don't care if they're squawking or laughing or crying or squ- screaming. You know what? Children are children. And you and, I, you and I have the responsibility to model a Christ-like uh, or a, a childlike faith in Christ for our children so they can also embrace Christ in that way as well. We have to understand that they are, they're children, right? And so what, is there joy? Is there joy in us? Is there happiness in being in Christ? Or are we these stuffy, like, let's get it together, kind of pretentious people? I, I don't think we should. I don't think what Jesus wants us to be. Do you? I think we ought to be this fun-loving, happy-in-Jesus people because of what he's accomplished for us. So Matthew chapter 5, let's look at this together. We're looking at verses 3 through 5. So how will children know we are happy? Let's look at the first couple verses, 3 and 4. Blessed, or happy, that word is translated, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, happy or blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So how how do your children know you're happy? When you're sad. Right? I mean, that's what Scripture says, right? Happy are the sad. Happy are, and what, here's what this means, and we, we've covered this a lot. This is kind of a, a thing I always go back to, right? When we understand the depth of our own depravity, see, we can sit with Jesus and say, look, at, I've got it all together. Teach me a little something to know. Coming to Christ with a, with a childlike faith means, God, I come face to face with you knowing how horrible I am, how separated I am from you, how, how just a despicable person that I am. And, and more than that, I understand, and in that more, I'm mourning that, I'm grieving, I'm sad, right? I understand what he's done for me on that cross. See, the more I understand and realize how, how deep my sin really goes, how deep my depravity really goes, the more amazing this offering looks, doesn't it? The offering that Jesus made for us on the cross. Because, listen, as, when, I, when I really look at my heart, I know that I deserve to be there. And when I look at Jesus with childlike faith and that humility and just brokenness, what I understand and realize is that my Heavenly Father went there for me. That He accomplished the work that that should have been mine, that I could never actually totally finish. But He totally finished it. So that you and I could be happy by being sad. Sad over our sin. Mourning over the state that we are in. and, And then understanding and realizing how amazing God is and being happy for what he's accomplished for us. 
our children need to understand that we are happy in Christ and, and that we grieve over our own sin. We grieve over what we've done to Jesus. That, that scripture goes on in verse 5. Um, blessed are the humble or the meek or happy are the humble for they will inherit the earth. And then it says, happy or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. This is that progression in our heart of salvation that needs to be modeled. So we come, we come face to face with God, not in, in a proud situation where, I, look how good I am, look what I've accomplished. We don't do that at all. We come to face to face with God and saying, wow, look, how, look what a wretched person I am. Look how horrible I am compared to the glory of Christ. There's nothing in me that's good. There's nothing in me that I can offer that he will accept. Sure, I might be gifted at something. Sure, I might be a nice person. But ultimately, as it pertains to Jesus, I've got nothing. And that meekness is that emptying of ourselves. And I come before you with, with nothing. I'm not going to try to show off. I'm not going to have his pretense. I'm not going to rebuke little children for coming to Jesus. I'm going to sit there like a little child in front of him. Empty ready to learn, ready to, just to, to be embraced by my Father. And that's that meekness, that's that repentance that Scripture talks about. And it's not just an idea, it's an actual doctrine that we must repent and turn from our own pride, our own selfishness, our own desires, our own achievements, and say, no, there's nothing that I can, can bring to Jesus that he's going to accept. There's nothing I can accomplish on my own. So I leave all of that behind, and I come before him like a child, absolutely empty, innocent, and ready to learn, ready to grow, ready to embrace what he has to offer. And when I come empty, the Scripture's, adequately tell us that we are going to be hungry, right? I know it's noon, it's 12, 15, we're all, our stomachs are a little growling, we know what it's like to be hungry, right? Well, what is it like to be really hungry? The really hunger, it's, it's that, that total emptiness inside saying, there was nothing that I could offer, I had to leave it behind, and now I'm like a child in front of Jesus with nothing, and I'm hungry and thirsty, and what does a good father do? What's a good mother do? They feed you, they take care of you. And what is God going to do when we hunger and thirst for righteousness? What does it say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied. Satisfied. It's, it's tough sometimes for adults to be really sad, truly satisfied. We try. We try to look, look the part and do the part and, and act the part. But kids, when they really need to be satisfied, they come empty shamelessly before their parents say, I, I need you, Mama. I need you, Daddy. And parents are supposed to embrace their children, love their children, and give them what they need. And that's what Jesus does for us. So for you and I, what does this mean? It means that we can't be these pretentious parents or, or adults who say, well, we're, we're at church today. Let's straighten our tie up. Let's look good. I, I joked it with Ryan earlier. He is all suited up a little bit, right, with a vest. I'm like, can it make me look bad, Ryan? Everyone's going to want me to dress up now. <laughs> I, I didn't tell him he was pretentious, though. I said, you look sharp. He said, it's Mother's Day, right? But we, we do. We get the stuffiness to us. We're like, oh, well, we've got we to follow, follow the rules here. Sit down. Let's, let's shape up. We're, gonna, we're at church today. And Jesus is like, I just want to be your daddy all the time. I just want to be your father all the time. Just come to me like a child. And, and show, let me, first of all, let me satisfy you with what I can fill you with, with my righteousness. It's, not, it's mine. It's not yours. You couldn't accomplish it. Let me give you that. And then just be satisfied, sitting with me and being with me. Just like our kids are, just like my daughter is, my son is. I love that. I love that imagery that when they hop up on my lap and, and remind me of what I need to do with my relationship with Jesus too. Because my, my life and your life, if we're leaving a legacy of dedication, should be something that models knowing Christ and having a joy 
in him. Being happy in him. If we aren't happy in Jesus, we're doing something wrong. And if we aren't happy in Jesus, we're not leading our kids to some happy relationship in Jesus. We're letting them see something that's probably a bummer. And that really doesn't exist. So I challenge you, I challenge myself. We need to be happy in our, in our relationship with Christ. Overjoyed because of what he's done for us. You know, he has accomplished so much. He, he has done and accomplished what we could never do. Psalm 146, 5 says this. Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob. Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob. See, when we understand that, that, that God has rescued us, that God has helped us, that God has done what we could never accomplish on our own, we ought to be thrilled about that. So overjoyed. It goes on. Happy is the one whose help is God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. We ought to, we ought to walk around with big smiles on our face all the time, the joy in being our father's child. Right? And that's, that's what it means to leave this legacy of, of dedication, that I, I want to know Christ and I want to have a joy in Him. I want to model that wherever I go. So parents, you've got to model that. People that aren't parents, you've got to model that for those parents' children. You know, one of the things that's neat, you know, in our church, and the way dedications happen in churches, some people here have dedicated one child maybe years ago in, in a different service, maybe at a different church, maybe at a different city, right? So, some can't dedicate today because of whatever reason. But, but the dedication to those children and to the children in our church should be to all of them. It doesn't matter who was on stage or not, right? We are dedicating ourselves to that, and it takes, it takes us modeling, knowing Christ and having joy in Him. Number two, if we want to leave a legacy of dedication, we ought to watch our life and our doctrine closely. Watch our life and our doctrine closely. We're still in Matthew 5. If you go down to verse 14 there through, uh, through 16, I want to read that together. Jesus goes on, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light to, uh, for all of those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I, I don't want to just, again, have a stuffy, pretentious Christianity where I, I walk the walk and I, look, I talk the talk and I look the part. I want to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And out of that vibrant relationship of Jesus and my joy in Christ, that blessing I have in Christ, it should motivate me to live a life worthy of Jesus. And that my life, as I'm living a life worthy of the gospel and worthy of Jesus, my life is not my own and my life is not something that points to me. My good deeds, the things I do in response to what he has done for me, will shine, it says, will shine to people all around us and that people will see our good deeds and they will what? Give you lots of credit? No. They will see your good deeds and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Listen, I am not the Savior of my family. Can I get amen? You are not the Savior of your family. Amen, right? No, that we are not the Savior. He is the Savior. And out of what He has done for me, I am going to live in a responsive way, an obedient way, so that my children and my, my friends and my family and everyone around me would see good deeds, obedience, responding to Jesus, and they would look at Jesus. They would see Him. If you want to leave a legacy of, of dedication, we've got to model it in our life. We've got to show it with our actions. Not just our words. We've got to show it with our actions, the way we love and the way we, we uh, have compassion and respect for people. The way we, we talk and the way we honor Jesus with our lives. 
so that people could see Jesus and not you. So often, I think, parents, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm in this boat with you. I, I put the pressure on my shoulders to be the Savior of my family. And I'm not. And that pressure is, by the way, unbearable. I can never live up to that pressure. I can never be the Savior to my children or my wife. You can never be the Savior to your, your children or your spouse. We, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And we have to just respond out of the heart to him and love our families towards him, not towards us. We should want Christ to be our children's first love, but we must first make him ours. Amen? Watch your life and doctrine. The goal of watching our life and doctrine is that first others would see and glorify God through our obedience. It's important to model that. But there's more than just that, that modeling our obedience. There's more to it. We have to know what Christ teaches so we can stand firm and teach it also. It's one thing to model and just be a nice person. It's another thing to embrace foundation and scriptural truth and, and teach that to our children. Too many parents plant their feet on, on shifting ground or on sinking sand. And I want to tell you something. That makes us cowards. You plant your, uh, your feet on something that's not firm and, and stable, you will be a coward. And here's, here's what I mean by that. If, if you don't really embrace Scripture, really embrace what God teaches, really embrace what He says is right and what He says is wrong, really decide in your heart to say, I, I'm going to live this way and I'm going to teach this to my kids. If you don't embrace that, you're kind of embracing nothing. And when those things come up in your kids' lives, how are you or how am I going to speak truth into their lives if I don't know what the truth says? So what do I do? There's two, there's two things, that, kind of two responses. One, I become a hypocrite in my own home. I, I, I do one thing and I say a totally different thing. I do one thing that says, I don't know if I really should obey. I don't know if I really understand this. I don't, I'm not going to live like that's really important to me. But when it comes down to you, child, you're going to do what I say. That's hypocritical, yeah? The other thing that makes me is, could make me as passive or a coward, where, where I know I don't know what I know, you know? And I know I don't have a clue what this says about certain things, or I maybe have an inkling, but I haven't confirmed that in my heart. I haven't really wrapped my heart around it as a conviction. So I'm on this shifting sand when it comes up to hot topics of the day. And when, it, when my children are faced with those hot topics, instead of going headfirst into it and saying, this is what's true, this is what's going on, I don't have anywhere to stand. So what do I do? I sit down. I just back up and say, oh, I don't know, figure it out. You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. That is not what parenting is about. That is not what investing in children is about. That's not what, what helping people know Jesus is about. If we want to model it, great, but we need to know what it is that we're modeling. We need to embrace it with our heart, from our heart as a conviction, not just a set of rules and regulations, but, but something that God has given us as a life transformation principle tool, right, and that we can use for, for good in our lives and for our, our kids' lives. And if people would model what Jesus has asked us to model, life would go so much more smoothly. But for you and I, we've got to wrap our heart around that. We've got to be able to share that with our children. Uh, there's, a, there's a poll that was taken. I read about it this week. I can't remember the exact number, so I may, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong a little bit. But this is kind of startling. Of Christian parents, I'm going to, here, let's do this. Of quote-unquote Christian parents, 
what I seem to recall was about 45% of so-called Christian parents do not have a Christian worldview. What does that mean? It means that those people who call themselves Christians, about half of them don't actually follow or believe what this says. How can we pass this on to children if we do not embrace it ourselves? We have to watch our life and our doctrine closely. You can't pass on something you haven't embraced yourself. It's so, so important to know. If we really want our children to be changed by Jesus and transformed by grace of grace of the gospel, we have to know what the Word of God says. Ephesians 5.15 says this, Pay careful attention then to how you live. What kind of attention? Careful attention. This is like, be very attentive to this. Be careful, pay careful attention then to how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. So he's kind of, he's blaming, he's putting some, some labels on us. He says, if you're not going to pay attention, you're going to be unwise. So pay attention so you can live as wise people, making the most of the time or redeeming the time. Right? Every opportunity, redeeming the time. Because, why should we do that? Because the days are evil. More and more we see that every day as, as, as culture and society goes and runs their, runs their muck. It is getting crazy out there. And, and not only are we, but our kids are inundated, inundated with a culture shift that is, has been just deplorable. And for you and I to back away from the truth of God's word and to say nothing is to let them run into hell themselves. I, I, there was a point, I, I'm still, I feel like I'm still young enough, there was a point where my dad, <clears throat> Brandon, it's getting bad out there. You guys, you guys have it way worse than we did when we were kids. He said that to me, right? As I was a teenager, as I was in college, kind of a young adult. I'm at a point in my life where I can say that about my children now. And can you imagine what that looks like to my dad, their grandpa? It's crazy. Society has just gone nuts. And, and we cannot cave to that. Our children's lives depend on it. 1 Timothy 4.16 says this, Pay close attention to your life and doctrine, or your teaching. Yeah, this, is an, this is an encouragement to a pastor, to Timothy, but I think it, it can still, still settle for us as well. Pay close attention to your life and teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. How will our children know the gospel if we don't stand up for the gospel? How will our children know Jesus if we don't stand up and do what he asks us to do? Turn with me, turn with me to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want us to see this importance of the word of God and kind of this progression and how it becomes this legacy of, of dedication. Second Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. So it means you have to learn something and firmly believe something, right? But continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Uh, you know those who taught you. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? 
the scriptures, what God says, the truth of God's word is able to make us wise unto salvation by faith in Christ. All scripture, in verse 16, says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. There is, there is some resiliency to the word of God. There is some power to what the scriptures have to offer us. And we take it far too lightly at times. Uh, we cave into the culture. We say, well, this, this is kind of the way the culture is going, so it must be okay, it must be right, let's just live and let live. You might say that. You might want to be a little tolerant and say, I'm just going to let people do their thing. But you and I have to be proactive when it comes to investing in our children. We have to be proactive at going to the Word and studying it ourselves and learning the doctrine ourselves that we can then pass that on. You know, one of the things I told the parents that, and they covenanted to, they are the first line of defense. They're the disciple, the primary disciplers of their children. If I'm the primary disciple of my children, that means I can't just drop them off at youth group and expect it all to go well. So many years that's happened. So many years. We have a youth ministry. It's amazing. You should have your kids go to youth ministry, participate in those things. But that should be secondary to the, the, the place that they have at home in you as their discipler. That means you need to be discipled as well, and you need to know what the Scriptures say. The scriptures are profitable for teaching and training and rebuking, right? There's discipline there. Making us full and complete, right? Lacking nothing. So important for us to know the Scriptures. So important for us to model that, but we have to watch our life and our doctrine. If we want to leave a legacy of dedication, we have to watch our life and our doctrine. That out of the joy in our heart, we, we long to obey and learn and grow and teach it to others so that they would know also. Uh, we, we read the scripture and they're profitable. We've got to plant ourselves in them so we can be firmly established on this solid ground, a firm foundation. And listen, as we do that, as we leave this legacy of dedication, as we watch our life and our doctrine, others will flourish under the consistent example of a steady faith. That's what, that's what makes us flourish, isn't it? Think about the person in your life, that consistent example of steady faith. And when you're around them, you flourish. You know, I, I was in youth ministry for a lot of years, and almost, almost 19 years ago now, I started in youth ministry, right? And, and I, one of the greatest rewards out of that, coming into this place now of, of senior pastor ministry, right, big church ministry, is that these students who are growing up students from 18 years ago or 16 years ago or 10 years ago are coming back to me after, after a long time away or a long time away from God and the Word, and they're coming back and, and they're saying, Brandon, I, I remember you said this. Can you tell me that again? And they're coming back because of the consistent faith. They know I'm going to say the same thing today that I did 20 years ago. And we should be parents like that. We should invest in each other and be dedicated to one another, but it takes watching our life and doctrine so that others can flourish in that consistency. You think about your own life, right? You've had that. God's brought that into your life. We ought to be doing that for one another as well. Last thing, how we show a legacy of dedication. Number three, you show your hope in the gospel every day. Show your hope in the gospel every day. Listen, coming to faith in Christ, understanding the gospel and believing and being saved was not just a once and done thing. Right? He sealed you, and you're sealed with that promised Holy Spirit. But it is a constant, continual understanding and realization of what God is continually doing in my life. 
and how he's continually redeeming and continually changing and continually convicting and challenging me. The gospel should be presented every single day in every single way. Ephesians chapter 6, 19 uh, says this, and I want you to understand, we, we get to that point of steadiness. We just talked about that, that watching your life and doctrine, you get to that steady point in your life. That, that will lead to this next part. And, and here's what Paul says. Paul says, pray also for me. This is 619. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I love that. See, when we have that steady, solid faith, when we have that firm foundation and we have embraced Scripture and understand the truth of it. Now listen, you can be a student of it all your life. Okay, I'm not going to tell you tomorrow you should know all the Scriptures, Right? But you need to be a student of it. And as you learn it and as you grow in it, you have this firm footing, this firm foundation. And then, then the next step is for you and I to say, here's my prayer, Lord. Just like Paul says, pray for me, please. And I, I'm asking you to pray for me. And I'm asking you to pray for these parents. And I, I pray for each other. Pray for me that the message may be given to me that when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I want my children to know that. I want to be bold and courageous and not passive. I want to stand on that sure footing so that my kids will know Jesus, that I can proclaim Jesus to them and not just pass it off to the youth group, pass it off to Sunday school teacher. I want my life to model showing the hope of the gospel every day. Well, what is the gospel? Turn to Romans chapter 5. There are lots of wonderful snapshots of the gospel throughout all of the scripture this is one of my favorites from from many years ago decades ago um, but it's come back around to me and i just i wanted to read through this because i think it it shows this longevity of a legacy of dedication the longevity longevity of a legacy of dedication so romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 we're going to read 1 through 5 this first verse is just gold it says therefore since we have been declared righteous by faith Let's stop there for a minute. We've been declared righteous by our faith in Christ. Remember earlier we talked about coming to Him absolutely empty in that meekness of our heart, leaving everything else behind, repenting of our own sin and own stuff and uh, pride. We come to Him absolutely empty, and and we're hungry. And what are we hungering for? We hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what does He do? He fills us up. So by my faith in Christ, it says that, that, therefore, since we have been declared righteous, not by our own works, but by Jesus, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. You and I, as Christ followers, if you can say, I'm a Christ follower, if, if we're a Christ follower, we have been made right with God. We were, which means this, we were at one point enemies of God, at war with God. Guess who's going to win that battle? He is. But I'm so glad that he stirred in my heart the, the, the necessity for me to grieve over my sin and be sorrowful and understand the, the deep despair that I could actually come to him empty and believe and trust in him in faith that he would be, for, be a forgiving God and give me a righteousness that was not earned or not mine, but only that was his and, and was finished on the cross. See, he did that, and we believe and we trust that he does that, and he forgives sin. And now, because Jesus forgives sin, because Jesus paid it all, because Jesus gives us his righteousness and we're declared righteous, we are no longer enemies of God, but what? We're friends. Scripture says we're friends of God and we are at peace. That has to be presented and modeled, by the way. As we talk about a dedication, right? A legacy of dedication. 
We have to model the fact that we are at peace with God. We're at peace. We're friends with God because of Jesus. I want people to see that in my life. I want my children to see that. Go on in verse 2. It says, We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access to His grace. He's given us grace upon grace. It goes on. It says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Again, going back to joy, it's not this stuffy, pretentious Christianity. It's this joyous moment when Jesus changes everything. That I was an enemy, and now I'm a friend of God. I'm on the winning team, and I have joy in that. So watch this progression. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. This is talking about normal life stuff. It's going to come up, and it's already out there. There's persecution. There's affliction happening towards Christ followers. It just is, it's what it is. There's going to be tough days as Christ followers. There's going to be tough days as parents who love Jesus and want to love their children towards Jesus. It's not easy, right? We've said it before. It's not all cupcakes and rainbows. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to be tough. But a legacy, right, a legacy of dedication says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our afflictions because we know affliction produces endurance. Endurance then produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Hope. The down deep in your gut stuff, it says, I, I can endure because Jesus is big enough. This hope, it says, will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God is doing a work by His grace and His own power through the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we could leave a legacy of dedication behind, that we would be dedicated in our lives to Christ and we would be dedicated to those God brings into our life, that we would share passionately and, and boldly the mystery of the gospel every single day. See, that legacy in Romans 1, or 5, 1 through 5, it shows that it's the everyday battle of that legacy being presented, the everyday battle of knowing Christ and seeing his redemption in our lives. Philippians 1 says this in verses 27 and 28. Paul said, just one thing. I love that. Just one thing. Remember Columbo? Some of you remember Columbo. A lot of you don't. My, my grandpa always had it on TV. Right? No. Just, just, just one more thing. And it was always, that was the punchline. Here it goes. He's figured it out. Someone's going to jail. It's, you know, he's got it down. Paul says, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, what does that mean? What's it mean to live worthy? Well, he goes on. He says, he says, then whether I come to see you or am absent, I will hear about you that, okay, so that, that is telling us what it is to live worthy of the gospel of Christ, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, that you're contending together for the faith of the gospel, and you're not being frightened in any way by your opponents. That's what it is to live a life worthy of the gospel. We have nothing left to fear. We're at peace with the God who created us. And we will live eternally with him. Here, here's what's interesting. I don't know about you, but this is true for me. The ones, it says, the scriptures say, not be frightened in any way by your opponents. You know the greatest opponents in my mind, in my, in my life, that I, that I allow to be opponents are my kids and my wife. I think, and, and they're not even because they're opponents. He says, like, well, I, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to say what I shouldn't say. I'll just, I'll just step back. And 
we'll let God kind of figure this one out. God's like, I put you in there. Show some redemptive quality here. Like, go, go be modeling the grace and the, and the redemption that I've offered you. Why are you choosing to be passive? The greatest opponents in our life, and it's my children, really? Little, my little kids? It's like I'm scared of my kids, so I just kind of step back. Like, oh, well, God's got them. And, and I'm right in some ways, right? I know God's got them. I know that God loves my children more than I love my children. I know that God loves my wife more than I love my wife. But God has still called me to leave a legacy of dedication. And, and what does that mean? It means that I will show the hope that I have in the gospel of Jesus Christ every day and in every way. That I will not shrink back from that, but I will live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Why? Romans 1.16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Why would we be ashamed of that? Going full circle, this childlike faith, we should have this childlike joy now in the gospel of Jesus because of what he's done. It's the power of God that's brought salvation to us. And if it's brought salvation to us, it's meant to bring salvation to others. And you and I can be God's instruments in helping that happen in presenting the gospel and redemptive, redemption to, to our friends, to our family, to our children, that we, you and I, will live lives that are a legacy of dedication wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Let's stand and pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you love us. We're so thankful that you've given us grace in Christ. And Father, as we have, have got to partake and be a part of these, these amazing child dedications today, I'm, I'm so thankful that you have brought us uh, new birth in our church and, and brought rebirth in our church. And God, I, I just ask that you would help us to dedicate our lives, whether we're parents or not, that we would dedicate ourselves to leaving a legacy of that dedication behind. That we would show the joy and the passion and, and, the, and the contentment we have in Jesus and, and that we would reveal that childlike faith and we'd model that to those around us. That we would be happy in Christ. That we would, we would watch our life and our doctrine, God, so we could model what it is to follow you and, and, and instruct and guide from a firm foundation. And God, that we would show the hope that we have in the gospel every single day that would always be on our lips, that we want to glorify you and let other people know that Jesus saves. Thank you for your power and your grace. Thank you for, thank you for Jesus. We ask that you would just move us, shake us up a little bit, help us to be your hands and feet, and love the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.